Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Father, we thank you for the truth of this. These stories, they resonate in our heart today. Because, Lord, we, we know that the one that wandered away and the lost coin are us. We are those who were lost, and you came after us, as we have been singing. Those words, they echo in my heart. You came after me. And I thank you for doing that, Lord. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for hope today. I thank you for grace that forgives. I thank you, Lord, that right now, while we have messed up and fallen short, you have always been enough, and you make the difference, and you reach across to us, and you draw us back to yourself. And God, today as we stand here, I pray that you will just move in this place, that your Holy Spirit will begin to speak to hearts. Lord, that you will penetrate through the stuff that we have allowed to accumulate around us, Lord, and that you will break down the walls and that our hearts will be tender. Lord, that we will feel, not just hear and know, but feel your presence this morning. Lord, we need your manifest presence, you to show up today. God, I pray right now that you would be with all those who are hurting. I think of of Eric and Amy Moore and the different things that are going on in their family. God, it's overwhelming. But God, we know that you are big enough and that your grace is sufficient. And so, Lord, we praise you for what you're going to do. I pray right now for Pete Phillips as he lost his brother and the funeral is today. And God, I pray that you will touch Pete as he deals with that. But Lord, we give you praise that his brother found you, that he's safe. He's with you today. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for Nikki Thompson in the hospital. Lord, touch her body right now and just be with her and and bring healing to her. Lord, right now, across this place, there's many of us who've got other things on our minds and, and there's just so many things. But God, right now, help us to bring our minds and our thoughts to you and may you be enough. May you speak to our hearts right now. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, Jesus told three stories in that, and we read two of them about how much he loves you and me. And I want to look at these two, uh, because you do know how much he loves you, right? You understand that, that you are his beloved. He loves you so much more than you can even understand. And the question that I think about when I think about that is this, why? Why would Jesus love us so much? Why did he care about you so much? When you look at who you are, when I look at who I am, you know, I, I, it's like a house. You know, a lot of us, I look at your houses and go, man, that's a nice house. You look at your house and go, I know what's wrong with it. You know, I remember there was an episode on Andy Griffith. He was going to sell his house because it was a problem and he was going to move to another house. And everybody was hiding what was wrong with their house. And they're all going to trade houses because everybody else's house looked great. And that's kind of the way we are in life. We're walking around and there's things all going on in our lives. And we look at everyone else and I go, man, I wish I was like, you know, Larry Finney, he's got his life together, you know, and I don't. Or, I, you know, he looks around and he says, man, I wish I was like, you know, someone else over here. They have their life together and I don't. We all recognize our own failures and our own uh, shortcomings. It's just part of who we are. The problem is we hope no one else notices, don't we? We hide it pretty good. We cover it up. Even when we come to church, we bury everything. We put it inside, you know. 
church of all places should be a place where we tell everybody the truth about who we really are. You know, if we didn't, if we didn't need it, we wouldn't need to come to church. If, if we were fine, we wouldn't need to be here. If everything was good, we wouldn't need to come. It's like, I don't go to the hospital unless something's really bad. I have to be pretty sick for me to go to the hospital. When Jesus is talking about here, lost things being found, a lamb and a coin, he's really talking about us. And when something is lost, it's dead to us until it's found and restored. Okay? It's gone. We've been talking about resurrection. It, this is really a story of resurrection because that which is lost is dead. This week I had to get my driver's license renewed. It was, uh, it was my birthday and it was uh, at the end of that time, you know, and they're changing the license. You know, you're supposed to have the star on your license plates now so you can get on airplanes and go to federal buildings and whatever else. And I said, well, while I'm at it, I'm going to get it done. So I got online and I read through all the stuff and I said, here's what it, I got to have, you know, and I, and I took it with me. I had to have my birth certificate or my passport and I grabbed my passport and I had to have my social security card or a W-2 with my social security number on it. So I grabbed one of those and then you're supposed to have two forms to prove that you were a resident in Indiana. And I, said, I took my gun permit and I took a, uh, my voter's card my voter's registration card. And so I'm all set. And I go down there and I mean, you know, I have this thing. Every time I go to the DMV, it's at least two trips. Anybody here other than me? I mean, it's at least two trips and sometimes more. I tell the ladies, you guys like me so much, you make me keep coming back. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. But anyway, so I go down there and I'm thinking this time I have them. I am going to do this in one trip. And I walk down there and she says, okay. And I put my stuff down there and she's looking at it. Looks like you got everything. And she's reading through. She looks at my W-2 and she says, well, your passport says John Mark on it. And your W-2 says J Mark on it. I can't accept this. I was Christian, sort of. I didn't say anything I shouldn't. I just said, okay. They got me again, and I walked out, you know, and I went home. The problem was I had gone earlier in the morning, and I said, Darcy, I need to have my Social Security card. Could you get that out for me? Because she keeps all the records all in a file and everything, and she said, okay, no problem. And she went and found my voter's card, no problem. She got me all the other stuff, and then she goes, you know, I found my Social Security card, and I found your dad's old security, Social Security card. You know, he passed away several years ago. I still have that, but I can't find yours. I'm like, you're kidding me. You know, so, okay, well, I'll take the W-2. So I go down there, and I did that, and, you know, I told you that story. So, so now I come back, and I'm going, i got to find my Social Security card, but I can't find it. I come over here. I thought maybe I'd stuck it in my desk. I mean, you go in my office, my desk is clean. Because I cleaned it out trying to find that and put everything back. It's like, wow, look at that. You know, and, and it wasn't there. Finally, I went home and I, I actually prayed. I said, Lord, if it's in this place, help me to find it. I've just got to have that social security card. I was worried about that. I needed to get that license done. I didn't want to mess with it. And I didn't want to go to the social security office either, I, you know, to get a new one. And so I, I was messing around at her desk when she was gone. And I was looking and I found the card that she was talking about with her, her card and then the other card. And I... I picked up, and I look at it, and I, oh, that's not my dad's card. That's my card. What is she saying? You know, she had misread it and, it, and it was found. But that which was lost was dead to me. I couldn't use it, but it was resurrected when I found it. It was brought back. Have you ever lost something precious? Something that was gone that you just struggled with? You hunted for it. You looked for it, but it was just gone out of your life. These stories in Luke are the stories of our lives. They're stories of disobedience and 
the story of the cost of sin in our lives. They're the stories of wandering away from God. We've all done that. They're the stories of our death. They're the stories of our lost hope. And the questions are, what does it cost to find one lost lamb? What does it cost to find one lost lamb? What does it cost to find one lost coin? And then the final question of that that I think we need to consider is this. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it to find one lost lamb, one lost coin? Uh, Think about that lost lamb. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This story is not about a hireling sheep who's a shepherd who is merely out to make a buck. He's not the guy you hired off the street and said, take care of my sheep while I'm gone. This is the guy who owns the sheep. He loves the sheep. They're his livelihood. He cares about them. The story is about a shepherd who knows his sheep. They're weak and helpless and they need him to survive. And he knows each lamb by name and they know his voice. He knows their characteristics, what they're like. He says some of them are frisky and they play. Some are skittish and some are, are just staying off by themselves. But the shepherd knows them and loves them all. And as I said, when he speaks, the sheep, they know him. They follow that voice. They hear him. And when he calls, they come running because they know his voice. And they know he's a good shepherd, that he loves them. And every night when he takes them to the pen, they go in, he counts to make sure they're all there. 98, 99, 100, and he closes the pen until one night he counts. 98, 99, and there's one missing. He quickly scours over the herd, the flock of sheep to see if he could recognize which one, and he realizes, and I'm going to give him a name, his name is Little Freddy, the frisky sheep. And he has a spotted face. He's unique, he stands out to him. The good shepherd says, Well, I have to deal with this. And so he leaves the 99 and he goes back to the valley where he'd been to retrace his steps and to find Freddy, the frisky sheep. And it's getting dark by now. And the path is treacherous at night. And it's hard to see. And there are wolves and uh, lions and other wild animals out there to contend with. And the question he has to ask as he goes is, is it worth this? Is it worth it? After all... The shepherd didn't wander off. It was Freddy the frisky sheep who wandered off. It was he who ran off. It was he who failed to yield and heed the voice and follow. And besides that, the shepherd could have reasoned, I have 99 others. And that's a lot of sheep. One's too many in my opinion. The good shepherd, Jesus says to us today, it is worth it. So he leaves the comfort of home. The good shepherd hunts down in the valley across the creek. He calls out. He hears nothing back. He slips and slides down a sleep and slippery slope into a ravine. He calls as he goes, Freddy, Freddy, come back. It's dark now. The danger's real. Maybe he should just go home. After all, these 99 at home are counting on him as well. What's one little runaway? Lamb wades through a small creek and he hears the howl of the wolf. He feels the danger starting to close in on him and around him. But he just can't give it up. It's Freddy and he needs rescued. It's his sheep. He loves this sheep. Turns the edge of a large cliff and goes into a small cave and still nothing. He calls, Freddy, Freddy. And finally, as he emerges from the cave, he hears the sound of a small little scared lamb as it calls back. And the good shepherd knows it's Freddy and he runs to him and he finds him in the briar patch and he's caught. He can't get free as he's holding, those briars are holding him there in his wool. But he lifts him gently from that and he wraps him in his warm embrace. 
He begins to retrace the long steps back that had brought him here. And his heart begins to celebrate. His lost lamb has been found. The 99 are 100 again. The one who was dead has been raised to life. The good shepherd returns. He's beat up from the hunt. He's bleeding. He's bruised from the rocks and the sticks. He will forever bear the scars on his body from sliding down the hill. His feet are sore. But the lost lamb, Freddy, has been found and he is celebrating. In the same way, the story of the coin goes. When the coin is discovered as missing, the mistress of the house is distressed and she looks all over the house in every nook and cranny, nothing but the coin is gone and it's needed, it's important. So she begins to dismantle the house. This story we have a little trouble with because we throw coins on the ground, you know, pennies and never pick them up, don't we? Every piece of furniture is pulled out from its place. The drawers are emptied. She goes through everything, all the pockets, all the stuff, trying to find this lost penny, but nothing. The search is long and it's tedious, and she continues on. It disrupts the day, but the coin is lost and it's valuable to her. Finally, there's nothing left but the rugs on the floor. She rolls the rugs up on the floor, and there in the corner lies the coin. And she runs over and she picks it up and she celebrates. And she runs outside and tells everyone, you know, we celebrate Christmas. I love it. We decorate this place and we put up uh, beautiful things and, and uh, you know, we sing really extraordinarily beautiful songs. We buy each other presents. We uh, talk about Jesus and, you know, it, it's just a great time when we celebrate Christmas. But I think I've come to conclude that the celebration is on the wrong end, that our celebration really ought to be about the resurrection. The question is, was it worth it? Was it worth it? See, Jesus told these stories to illustrate what he was doing here on earth. He's the good shepherd. He's the woman looking for the lost coin. But see, I think Jesus sees you and me like this. And I want to read this story to you. We read this. Darcy reads this to our granddaughter. And it's a children's story. And if you think I'm being silly, then you just have to think I'm being silly. Because I'm going to read you a children's story right now. Go ahead and put that up there, Ron. And it's called, On the Night You Were Born. So enchanted with you were the wind and the rain that they whispered the sound of your wonderful name. The sound of your name is a magical one. Let's say it out loud before we go on. And I think these are out of order. I don't think that's right, is it, Darcy? Is it right? Okay, we'll see. It sailed through the farmland high on the breeze. Who in the world is exactly like you? Who, who, who? over the ocean and through the trees. Not once had there been such eyes, such a nose, such silly, wiggly, wonderful toes. In fact, I think I'll count to three so you can wiggle your toes for me. So everybody wiggle your toes. See, he told us to be like children. So be like children here tonight. When the polar bears heard, they danced until dawn. From faraway places, the, glee, the geese flew home. We can relate. The moon stayed up until morning next day. And none of the ladybugs flew away. So whenever you doubt just how special you are and you wonder who loves you, how much and how far, Listen for geese honking high in the sky. They're singing a song to remember you by. 
Or notice the bears asleep at the zoo. It's because they've been dancing all night for you. Or drift off to sleep to the sound of the wind. Listen closely, it's whispering your name again. If the moon stays up until morning one day, or a ladybug lands and decides to stay, or a little bird sits at your window a while, it's because they're all hoping to see you smile. For never before in story or rhyme, not even once upon a time, has the world ever known a you, my friend. And it never will, not ever again. Heaven blew every trumpet and played every horn on the wonderful, marvelous night you were born. And that story is just a little children's story. But heaven blew every trumpet and horn on the night you were born. Jesus created you and me so unique and so very special. And he looks down at earth right now and he loves you. I don't know if you understand that. He doesn't just love the mass human race, but he individually looks at each one of us and he loves you and he even loves me. And as he counts the sheep, he realizes there are some missing. He's seeing the one that's missing. And the question is, should I go looking for him or her? They're pretty insignificant, just one. And Jesus counted the cost. And he realized if he were to come after that lost sheep, you or me, he would have to leave heaven. Let this hit you. He would have to leave heaven he would have to humble himself and take on our human flesh. He would have to become a baby and become totally dependent upon a teenage woman, Mary, and her husband, Joseph. If he came after us, kings would despise him and they would try to kill him. And his own family, his physical earthly family, would look down their noses at him and say, he's crazy. His own village, when he talked to them, would take him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off. He would be rejected by the ones created to worship him. He would be betrayed by loved ones. His race, his, human, his humans that he created would spit on him. They would kick him, punch him in the face, laugh at him, and treat him like a dog. They would flog him, they would abandon him, and they would hang him naked on a cross, and then they would leave him there to die, and he would die. Think about what that means. Jesus, the creator of life, the one who spoke and life happened would experience the curse of death. That just makes no sense. He would hang on the cross naked and alone even when heaven turns its back in horror. And finally, he would be placed in a grave alone, dead, and that's what it would cost Jesus to come looking for you, every one of you. And he counted the costs and he said, Mark, it's worth it for you look at him no one like him that mark 
He's a special guy to me. He says, you look and you see an old man now. But I look and I see a prince. And I see a son. And he sees someone in me that he wants to spend eternity with. And he whispers in my ear, Mark, it was worth it. See, the good shepherd came looking for me. I don't know about you, but he came looking for me. I was dead. Paul, the great apostle, wrote this, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sin. It is by grace you've been saved. Resurrection is restoring life to that which is dead. Jesus came and found me, and when he found me, it was too late. I had already died. I was dead in my sins. But he found me and he said, I'll take his place. And he died for me. But because he had no sin, Satan could not keep him. He was set free. He was resurrected. And in the power of his own resurrection, he will resurrect me. He has breathed his breath in me. He gave me life. Why? Why would he do that? And the answer is simply this, because he loves me. And all of heaven is invited to celebrate with Jesus when he found me. The Bible says the angels danced. There was celebration everywhere. Let me read the story of Jesus coming to find you today. It's long. It's the scripture, but it's long. And I'm going to read it anyway. And if you don't like it and you want to go to sleep, it's a good nap. But you're going to miss out if you do. Because this is the story of your Savior of the one who loves you most, of the good shepherd coming to find you. Starts in Matthew 26. While, we were, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. Ian preached about this last week. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. And the men stepped forward and seized Jesus, and they arrested him. And with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in his place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? He will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writing of the prophets might be fulfilled then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the laws and the elder had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. And he entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. And the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. And finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? And Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are Christ, the Son of God. 
Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and they struck him with their fists and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a while, these standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them for your accent gives you away. And he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? And Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. That was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. And while Pilate was sitting at the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. And they all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw they were getting nowhere, but that instead an an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. And all the people answered, let this blood be on us and on our children. And he released Barabbas to them and he had Jesus flogged. And he handed him over to be crucified. And the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and They gathered the whole company of soldiers around him and they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him and they twisted together a crown of thorns and they shoved it onto his head. And they put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. And they spit on him. And they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again and again. And they mocked him. They took off the robe and they put his own clothes back on him and they led him away to crucify him. And as they were going out, they met a man named Cy- uh, from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. And they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him. They shook their heads saying, you are going to destroy the temple and build it three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. The same way the chief priests, the teachers of the laws and the elders mocked him. 
He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him and trust in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified him also heaped insults on him. And from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice which, and said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthiah, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and rocks split, and the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life, and they came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus, and going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate ordered that be given to him, and Joseph took the body, and he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock, and he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. Friends, Jesus said it was worth it to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost boy, and the lost you. Why? Because you're so special to him. Because all of heavens blew every trumpet and played every horn, on the wonderful, marvelous night you were born. And you're just too special for God to ignore. I don't think we understand that. I think I'm living in a world where most people want to believe that they're special, walk around and thump their chest and say, look at me, but go home at night and say, man, nobody really cares about me. I think that's true. And so, you're so special to God that he gave up heaven to find you. And he suffered and defeated death to save you. And he has forgotten every sin when he forgave you. That part really blesses me. Why did he do it? To bring you back to life, to live with him. See, the story of the lost lamb clearly suggests that he was, that lamb was once a part, that he was in, but he got lost, lost his way. And that may be you today. As I look around here, I think, man, there's probably people sitting here today who at one time were fully engaged with what God wanted and fully engaged with trying to follow Him, but have lost their way. Things get in the way. Man, this week things got in my way. It's so easy to lose our way. It's so easy to say, but I'm so busy. It's so easy to say, but I've got other things. Anybody here with me on that? gotten distracted. And make no mistake about it, the sin you're participating in will kill you just as surely as the bear, the lion, or the wolf would kill the shepherd as it walks out looking for the lamb. But Jesus' great love and the present danger is why Jesus came looking for you. He looks at you and he says, I can't leave them there. The stuff that's going on in that world, I can't let them just be lost in that. There's way more at stake here than just letting them live. There's eternity. Jesus has come looking for you. And today I want to invite you to call out to Jesus that you might be found, that you might be brought home. And here's the deal. 
There's a lot of us sitting here this morning going, but pastor, you know, I'm not that bad and it's not that big a deal. And yeah, I know that I need to get right with the Lord and I'll do that one of these days. Can I tell you something? I looked in the mirror this week. I know, I wrote this on Facebook and some of you already read it. I looked in, I looked in the mirror this week and I was 62 years old. And it shocked me. Because I was only like 25 the other day. You know? And I realized my grandfather died when he was 63. You know, he was a pastor right up the road here. And, you know, he had some health problems, but, you know, he was 63 and he just fell over dead of a heart attack. And his son, my Uncle Roger, he, he was out mowing his yard, actually out mowing the church's yard one sunny afternoon at 63 years old. And he had a heart attack and he was dead. And, and my father-in-law, his name was Tom Dice, great man of God. And he was 62 and he died. Now he had physical, some physical issues, but he was only 62. And, you know, and I got to thinking, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be here this time next year. And there's no guarantees. I may not be here this time next week. And it never has hit me like that before, how really fragile life is and how close I am to that place where those decisions have to be made. And that you go, well, I'm only 24, so it doesn't matter. But see, this week, and I don't, I'm not a scare tactic guy, but this week, you know, we all saw stuff where people lost their lives, where, where the end came. All I'm saying to you is, is that Jesus loves you so much and he has left heaven for you and he has come seeking after you and he wants you so bad and none of the stuff that's happened you can tell me well yeah i was a christian and then this happened and that who cares who cares what anyone's done to you who cares how your parents treated you who cares that that girl that boy that whatever right now right now jesus loves you and wants you to be his child and he doesn't care what you've done and he doesn't care where you've been he is looking for you and if you'll call out he will be there and he will wrap his arms around you and he will pick you up and he will bring you back with him because he loves you and who cares if everybody goes oh i can't believe they're down at the altar my answer is why aren't they down at the altar because they need it as bad as you do amen we're all there we're all there Let's stand together and we're going to sing together and as we sing, the altars are open. I'd love for you to come and pray. And You know, if you're seeking God, if, if you're saying, man, you know what, I, I have kind of run away. I've been little Freddy. I'm Freddy the frisky sheep, little lamb out there running around doing things I should. Today's the day. Today's the day. Let's come back to him. Let's make that trip. It's just a short walk and a great time with the Lord and we'll pray together. And we'll just get back in the place we need to be. Let him find you again. He's seeking after every one of you right now. Father, right now, I just praise you. And I thank you for each person. And I ask right now that your Holy Spirit will speak into the hearts of every person here today. That they will make that walk and that they will kneel at this altar. And that they will find you. Whether it be one, two, or the whole congregation, Lord. We know that you are seeking after us. And that we all need to get back to you. That we've walked away in places. And it's time to fix it. It's time to get everything straightened out. Even if we're trying to live as a Christian. There's many places in our lives that we've been messing up. We've been trying to cover it over. Like Ian preached last week, small sins turn into big sins. They turn into big tragedies. Lord, help us not to go there. We love you. We praise you. We ask your help. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Man, I'm just celebrating what God is doing in this place this morning. If there's any of you who would like to pray around here still, we're going to continue on. I'm going to pray and we'll be done. Uh, when we're finished up here, I just want to remind you, if this is your first time here, uh, see Donna out in the back there at the table and she'll make sure that you get your cookies. That's the most important part of all that, right? You know, get your cookies and uh, just let us know you were here. We'd love to have your name. Just let us know you were here. That'd be great. Father, again, we thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for these altars. I thank you, Lord, for people who have said, I need to, I need to let God pursue me. I need to say, yes, Lord, come get me right now. I'm, I'm caught here in this, and I don't know how to get out, and I don't know what to do, but God, you are able. You said that you would, and you're the good shepherd. You left heaven. You gave it all away so you could pursue me. And so, Lord, I just accept what you have. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love. I accept your, 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 your care for me. And right now, Lord, I just sense your, pray, your, your warm embrace around me, lifting me up. And I, I, that, I, I accept that for all these others, Lord. And, and for those who maybe just said, I couldn't do it today. God, I, I just pray that your pursuit will just increase. Lord, just go after them. Don't give up, Lord. They're right around the corner. Let's just keep pursuing. Lord, we want to see people saved. We want to see lives come back to you. Lord, we, we're praying for our prodigals. We're praying for those who've been away. God, that you will draw them back, Lord, that you'll continue to speak to them and pull them back to yourself. And, and for those who walk our streets who are lost, Lord, for the addict, for the for the ones who, are, who don't have anything that looks like anything's wrong, but are living a life that's a lie. For all people, Lord, we just pray for salvation, for hope, for peace, for joy, for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, we thank you today for what you are doing. This is a good day, and we just really relish all that you have for us. Praise your name. Praise your name, Lord. You're so good. We worship you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Lord bless you. And we'll see you next week. Easter, bring your friends. Let's have a great Easter.